Another really interesting one is the neck vein because you can see a pulse. And so you can watch a guy. It's got to be close to you, either side sort of thing. But I watch a guy next to me pulse just... So I looked at it first to see what it's like when it's like sort of resting. And then I genuinely saw this guy's pulse going harder. And I decided that he had a better hand than me. This is Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBoot. Talking to interesting people about that interesting thing that interests them. Welcome back. It's another Totally Obsessed. I'm Dan DeBoof. This is my podcast where I sit down with someone and they get free reign to talk about the thing that they're obsessed with, the thing that has captured their imagination, maybe for a lifelong time or maybe they've just discovered it. But regardless, they are dying to talk to someone about it at deep and great length. Deep length? Coined a phrase. This week, my guest is Angus O'Loughlin. We've worked together on a couple of radio shows in the past. You can hear him on the radio these days doing Weekend Brecky on the Hit Network or see him on MTV where he hosts TRL. His name on Instagram is Angus underscore OL and Instagram is where I found out about his obsession. I saw an Instagram story that he put up uh, it was a while ago now and I um, I saw it and I went, oh, wow, this is a full-blown obsession. How did I not know about this? We worked together for two years and I never knew that Angus has a secret obsession with the world of poker. So, I got him around, we sat down and we talked all about it, um, how he got into it when he was a teenager, how you look for tells when you're playing against someone, like the little things their body does. Super subtle, and he tries to spot them. Some of the worst uh, times he's been beaten in poker, what that feels like, what goes through your mind when you're playing, and how poker helped him in an interview with a famous pop star. Yeah, that's in there too. In the business, we call that a hook, because you're going to have to listen to find out who the pop star was and how poker helped. Angus would be very proud of me doing that because he used to do that a lot on our radio show. Um, But yes, this is the latest Totally Obsessed. My guest is Angus O'Loughlin and his obsession is poker. Angus. Hello. What are you obsessed with? Poker. <laughs> now, you. this is inspired by your Instagram stories because mm. I saw you put on Instagram uh, that you were in a poker tournament and that this has been like your secret... Uh, I think you used the word obsession. I did use the word obsession, yeah. Not many people know about it either because it's kind of uncool to play poker. Um, none of my friends do... Uh, no girlfriend in the past has ever got it. So, I've kind of played it in dark shadows. So, it's not like... I don't know. Like, I think of poker. I mm. think of, like, Vegas, baby. I think of, like, poker nights with the guys. Like, 
Yeah, I mean, poker nights with the guys is great. It's just none of my friends do them. I've played poker. Um, we both have a, a friend, Matthew Eggleston. Ego. Okay, yeah, yeah. So on his Bucks party and the night before his wedding, uh, his groomsmen and all of us kind of played a group of seven or eight people pl- poker. I won both games. Um, <laughs> do you tell? Uh, do you tell them? Oh yeah, I told them. I told okay. them well before. I'm like, you've got no chance. And then they even like tried to pick on me as a group, and I was just like cleaning them out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I've um. I remember where it started. I remember exactly where I was. Uh, so I grew up in Janjuk, which is near Torquay, near Geelong, Victoria. And um, mum had the Herald Sun delivered every single day. And so I would get the paper in the morning and with my toast before going to high school, I'd read the paper. And on the front page of the paper, it must have been in 2005, was this Italian man with a terrible Shannonol flavor saver <laughs> um, with... I'm talking. I like, love how you say that one detail about him, and he's somehow associated with poker. And I'm like, great, I know exactly who this guy exactly is. Exactly right. Yeah, and Dodgy Sergio's poker school or something. Yeah. No, it was name is Joe Hashem. Oh yes, okay, I know the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Joe Hashem won the main event, which is the biggest poker tournament in Las Vegas and the world. Um, in 2005, it must have been. And I, the photo was him holding up his two cards that he won his final hand on, all chips around him. And I'm talking blocks of cash do you know obnoxious yeah you know elastic band cash yeah and i was like whoa and he won like six million okay and i was like that's interesting because i be- i played cards with my grandpa we just played blackjack for five cent coins so i knew that i liked cards okay and so i reckon over the next year as i turned 18 i started to get into pub poker which oh, okay. is okay so you were about 16, 17. I must have been 17. And yeah. when I turned 18, I went to the Warm Ponds Hotel and played my first game of poker. <laughs> warm, yeah. A warm pond is basically a swamp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so just a little suburb of Geelong. They still play poker there. So there's... There's um, there's pub- a picture of you like behind the counter saying, like, do not let this <laughs> yeah. man in. Because he's a shark. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I went, I went along and played. And uh, so the, the, that league still exists. There was two free pub poker leagues. NPL, which is National Poker League. I think they're now defunct. Uh, and APL, which is I still play today, uh, Australian Poker League. Yeah. And so how it works is pubs get them to come and organize a poker night. Uh, and you get more chips the more money you spend over the bar or on food. So you get a certain amount of chips starting stack and then you can make more. If you buy a schnitty, you get like max chips. <laughs> um, so it's a win-win. It's a win-win. So then, yeah, I just started playing that. And I, I remember having some wins in the early days. At one stage, I had like four or five trophies. So what was it like? Let's go back to when you first saw, I almost said PJ Hashem. But what was his name? Joe uh, Hashem. Joe Hashem, yeah. <laughs> That's a Blue Hillers reference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you saw Maggie Doyle on the front of the mm-hmm. paper. Um, so you said you'd already had a bit of knowledge around cards. Yeah, not poker as a game, but yeah. I knew that I liked gambling to a point and... But not necessarily the money aspect of things. I liked the game of blackjack. Okay. And I, then I re- when I realized that there's actually strategy involved in a blackjack game. Yeah. So, a lot of people just go, oh, I'll just try and get wow, 21. It's close to 21. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I was like, okay, well, not counting the cards, but you're like, okay, well, you know, if the dealer's got a six, that's the best card you can have as the person playing the dealer because the dealer has to take two cards. Yeah. Because they can't settle on 16. Yeah. They've got to take two cards. So I was like, okay, well, if I've got 14 and they've got a six, I know they've got to take two cards. So there's no point in me taking a small card that I hope he busts with. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's interesting strategy. It's not just flipping, you know, and, and tapping the desk. 
And then I think that love of cards kind of took me into poker, which is much more. Well, you think with poker, it's kind of like there is that element of like the chance of cards or it's like I, I can sort of go, there's only this many cards in a deck and, and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But there's also the human element where which you is, go, yeah. well, you know what? I've got nothing here, but that guy I can take to town. Well, the famous thing about poker is um, you don't have to necessarily play your cards. You yes. can play theirs. Yeah. Um, which I, yeah, which is kind of where the skill of it is. It's like, you know, the, the old saying again, that you can learn the game in a day, but it takes a lifetime to master. So, well, let's talk about how you learned the game in a day. Yeah. So, you see uh, Joe Hashem yep. on the front of the paper. I would have um, read up on it. Yeah. I would have learnt how the game works. Go down to the Janjuk library. Yeah, the Janjuk, the Janjuk library. I, I don't know. The internet was around then, so probably ah, I would have yes. Googled. Um or Alta Vistaed it, you know. <laughs> Binged it. No, yeah. that came later. That came later. Yahoo. Uh, and then, yeah, so um, I would have learned the game and then I would have gone down to these free pub poker leagues. And, uh, Is that intimidating? Uh, no, because it's actually they're actually quite fun. When, okay. So, we'll get to me playing at Crown, which is a different kettle of fish. Ooh. Whereas... Um, Playing in pub leagues, people are a bit more loosey goose and they're helpful. Like, because you the have buy in sh- is lower or oh, free. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and then, but with the pub leagues, you have to shuffle your own cards. So I had to learn how to shuffle. So I go home and I like, master shuffling. I'm a really good shuffler now. Like you have to hand out the cards, um, and then like just little stuff like there's blinds. So you know, there's two people who have to play a blind, a small blind and a large yeah, blind. Yeah. Yeah. So if worst comes to worst, you raise it and no one has calls, you make it a, a small amount of money. So um. Yeah, so I started to learn up the little nuances of the game and then, yeah, tried to learn a bit more intricate stuff. What kind of people were you playing against? Were there it hasn't some, changed. Were there characters there? Like- yeah, there's characters and there's characters in every game. Um, you know, there's famous people in their own little circles. Like there's a guy that I've now know is Mr. called Mr. Miyagi Crown and he's famous. Every single person in that Crown Poker room knows who he is. I've played against him. Um, he's just called Miyagi, Chinese man, obviously. Um, <laughs> Japanese, Japanese, Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Uh, I don't see color. <laughs> obviously, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Post race, yeah, so that's right. It's just Asian. It's an Asian yeah. man. Uh, and then yeah, there's there's flamboyant characters. Um, there's a guy who I remember wore a sparkly blue hat that you usually get oh. to wear around Christmas or like a rocker Stedford. Yeah. So there's some people like that. There's the eccentric types, but um, yeah, I think the pub poker league was really welcoming, and uh, everyone would tell you like, burn one card, flip three cards, yeah. burn a card, and turn. So you start to pick up that little stuff like that. So that was a it was a good introduction. Was through the free public pub pub leagues. And did you go? I'm having a bit of skill, a bit of success here. Yeah. When I started, I started like you know there'd be 50 people playing at the Torquay pub or the Warm Pond's pub or the Grovedale pub yeah. around Geelong and. Yeah, I think in a week I won two of those competitions. And there's like 50, 60 people. And I'm like, okay, well, that's pretty good. Because one, you can get good cards in a game. Yeah. Um, and just have a great run. Um, sure. But I thought backing it up, you know, and at one stage, yeah, I had like four trophies and was leading Victoria's APL. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm not too bad at this. And looking back, I was probably not that great, but... Poker was so new. Yeah. Joe Hashem changed the game in Australia. Okay. Um, he's like in the Hall of Fame here because, yeah, they even everyone saw astronomical um, increase in players after he won. Same, and I'm, you know, I'm part of that. You're a perfect example. Exactly right. Like, literally saw him on the newspaper yeah. and you wouldn't have done it if it weren't for him. No. Yeah. I, wonder, I actually wonder whether, would yeah. I, whether I would have found it, but yes, exactly. Yeah. He was the catalyst. Yeah. 
And so, you started having this success. You got to the top of these sort of league tables and stuff. Yep. Started doing that and then moved. You know, as soon as I finished eight, when, uh, high school, I went up to Cairns. And when I went up to Cairns, I was living up there with my dad and I was working once a week. And so, I had time on my hands. So, I Googled APL or NPL and um, found poker pub leagues, the same thing. So, I started playing up there. Um, you know, started having some success as well. I was like, okay, this is fun. Moved to Townsville. I think I sort of it sort of dropped off for me in Townsville. I was working a lot in Townsville. I think it sounds like you're like these swarm of locusts that just moves from field to field, just, <laughs> just devouring cleaning out the town. <laughs> nah, hardly. Because um, I think even the winning prize is fifty bucks and then a fifty dollar pub voucher. So you're not that. It's, yeah, there's okay. no big stakes. Yeah. So you really are playing for the love of the game. Um, and then the weird thing about my poker relationship is it's been a roller coaster ride of not enjoyment but involvement. So I've, depending on the job that I'm doing and the time that allows me, I'll pick it back up. Yes. So Townsville for two years, didn't play it. Tasmania, didn't play it. Went there for like six months. And then when I got to the Sunshine Coast and I was doing breakfast hours, I found myself with free time during the day. Yeah. And there was one pub that played like a 1.30 p.m. game. So I started playing that and then I started to realize I can play 6 p.m. games. So I started to pick it back up again. And then when I went to Adelaide, it dropped off again for a couple of years. And now that I'm in Melbourne, and I reckon I've played at Crown two, guaranteed two times a week, maybe three. Yeah. So cash games and tournaments. Wow. So I'm down $980. I can't believe I didn't know this about you. Like we worked together for two years. Yeah, probably a bit over a year. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, how did I not realize that yeah, this I didn't was play like your Sydney. ongoing Sydney, hobby yeah, or whatever? Sydney, I really I played occasionally in Sydney, um, but yeah, I, it's one of those things as well. It's like a dirty little secret. Yeah, um, because it's I know it's not cool. I love it so much. I sit there and I grind and play for like six hours, and I'm happy as Larry. Like just eating chips and not yeah. moving, or well, I, I try and eat, but like people eat at the table, like full meals yeah. come and trolley service and drinks get well, served. They, they want stuff. you to keep playing. Oh yeah, they? they want you to sit there. So, um, yeah, a lot in the last couple of months. What effect has poker had on your bank balance? Well, I'm down 980 $980? Since September. Yeah. $980,000. September. No, nine, $980. <laughs> but um, that's by playing in. So, since that tournament that I won in, I, well, I got a ticket to the 550 in, I've since played two tournaments, one tournament at 250 and two tournaments at 130 And there's like... Maybe 250 people playing um, and maybe like 30 people or less than that, 20 people win a ticket into the next event. So, I've lost those and then I've lost a little bit in cash. But even last night I played poker here and I got up 220. So, I was, I was going worse as so of last So, it's not like night. you have gambling debts. No. And, I, and I'm, a, I'm such a tight ass with my money. Yeah. I really am. So, I would, never, I would never even touch the rim of being anywhere close so to it. So, for you... Me. What's the appeal? Is it not so much about, oh, I could win so much money today, but it's no. more like I just love... I love the game. Yeah. I, I actually like there being stakes. So, I've actually found that does change it for me because pub poker still exists and it's two bucks to play. Yeah. Um, but it's... A, it, who cares? And there's a lot of people... When you're playing these pub poker leagues, there's a lot of people... It's called bingo. They'll just go, oh, I'll call you. Because it's yeah, nothing to them. There's no like psychology there. Exactly. But when you're putting $17 in to make that person make a decision whether their hand is good enough, then that, that's where the game changes. And that's where I'm learning to adapt my game. So, I'm actually still playing the pub poker 
to try and make my game better for Crown. Can that, can yeah. you take me through like what your mind is doing when you're playing, like when you sit down and how you look at the people around the table and then how you approach your cards and all that yeah. sort of stuff? Yep, I can. So live tells is what it's called when you actually look at a person and try and dissect okay. what you think. And it's to a degree, I mean, it works and there are live tells and I know I give them off as well. So I actually have to work on my own game because my hands shake when I'm nervous in poker. So for example, I played last night. And the second hand I played, I had two pocket fours. So, I had my, my two cards that yeah. I got dealt were two fours. Which is all right. Not bad. Yeah. I mean, not amazing, but yeah. not bad. It's something to lean on. Yeah. Exactly. If you don't hit it on the first three cards, just fold your hand pretty yeah. much. Because you know someone's got a jack queen or something yeah. and they've, they've got a better hand. But if it hits, it's an amazing hand to have because it's so well disguised. Yeah. So, anyway, say a guy raised across from me. So, to play at Crown, the, get the stakes that I play is $1 and $2 of blinds. Yep. So, a guy... Uh, raise it up to seven dollars, and I called. the f- The flop, the first three cards come out four, seven, ten. Great, perfect. Yeah, I check it, which means I let the next person decide if they want to check or bet. If everyone checks, next card comes out for free. If someone bets, you have to pay that amount. Decide you whether raise. you want to stay in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm hoping someone got bets. Guy goes fifteen bucks, and I look at my hand, which is and twice is- what the the action was exactly. before. But yeah. there's now thirty dollars in the middle. Okay, so he's now betting half of what the value of the pot is. And I looked at my hand and it was genuinely shaking. Your physical hand, not my your cards. My physical hand. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, of course. My physical hand. And I went, shit, how bad is that? Oh. So then I just kind of like put my hand like without making a big deal of it, put it on my um, arm, kind of like crossed my arms and then went through the pot and won a hundred bucks. Um, but I re- recognize that that's a tell. Uh, little stuff I look for for myself is people swallow, but you've got to figure out what that's... Pe- Without knowing they're doing it or without meaning to. And I feel myself wanting to swallow, but you've got to hold that in. Um, Not just swallow, then you're talking about swallowing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, I, I look for swallows, but then you've got to understand what that swallow means. That swallow can mean they're really good. That swallow can mean they're really bad. It can mean both. So, that's why it's like when you're not involved in a hand... So, if I'm folded my hands and I'm out of the pot, a lot of people just go to their phones or they start doing stuff. Good poker players, not that I am, will start looking for these kind of things. So, I'll watch you play your hand. And let's say you swallow, right? Yeah. And then if if I get the chance to see your cards turned over, I can see what that swallow means. Great. And so, that kind of gives you the... So, that's why no one would ever show their cards normally. Yeah. So, you don't have to show your cards if you win without um, getting to a showdown. But then I look for that. Another really interesting one is the neck vein. Because you can see a pulse. And so, you can watch a guy, it's got to be close to you, either side sort of thing. But I watch a guy next to me's pulse just... So, I looked at it first to see what it's like when it's like sort of resting. And then I genuinely saw this guy's pulse going harder. And I decided that he had a better hand than me. This is classic, like what you would see in a movie, yeah. like of like James Bond or George Clooney oh, or like someone. Casino Royale. Yeah, being yeah. like looking at the other person, like trying... But well, I, I was like, that surely is a bit of Hollywood. Mm. That's a bit of Hollywood, but you, you literally do it. Well, remember James Bond Casino Royale? That yeah. guy with the scar had the tell, and that's yeah. why James Bond made the call. He'd picked up on his tell, which is what it's called. Um, and you can be wrong and stuff like that. And I mean, you can, you can actually be interesting and make fake tells. I mean, I don't think a lot of people are really doing that. It's kind of really a higher level of the game. Yeah, so trying to sort of play against it and being like... Yeah. Every time you get bad yeah, cards. Yeah, you rub your eye yeah. when you've got bad cards. You know, Actually, I should have done a mime then, should I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is I rubbed my eye, dear listener. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, there's little stuff like that, but then you just got to... And then over time, playing with these people, and it's a community at Crown. You see the same people every day. 
And uh, if you start to pick up on little stuff like that, so like I know this one uh, Asian guy um, who I've played with a little bit will always do what's called a C bet, a continuous bet. So it doesn't really matter what his cards are on the flop. He's going to bet. Yeah. Like he's just going to have a shot and see if he can win it. He might have hit, but regardless, I know he's doing it. So you know it's it's coming. Yeah. So then, yeah. Have you got a story of like a bad beat? Oh, everyone's got the worst beats. I mean, you can cry about them all you like, but you hand them out and you get dealt them. Can you tell me about like a moment where you thought you had it in the bag and you got just... Yeah, I I had a really sick one, which is like, they're called coolers. So it's um if a bad beat is also called a cooler. I mean yeah. A, yeah. So a cooler for me was uh there's different levels of hands. Royal flush, which is ace to 10 of the same suit is the epitome of of a hand. You can't be beaten. Um then there's a straight flush, which is anything from 2 to ace, five cards of the same suit in a row. Uh and then it goes down into like quads and you know full houses and stuff like mm. that. But a straight flush uh, I got beaten with was um, I had one end of it and he had the other end. Oh, so he had the high end. He had the king, I had the uh, oh, nine, yeah. It must just kill you. Well, there's only one card in the deck that can beat me. Oh. So if you want to do that down, like one in 52 chance, like yeah. what are the chances this guy has that card? But you've also got to work through your head of betting. And I was not betting necessarily. I was calling his large bets so because I just wanted to make sure that I was fine. So it wasn't like... It was a. It became a large pot, and this was fake money. This is in a poker league. Um, ended up going out on it because he went all in, and I called. But I thought about it, and I was pretty impressed with myself that I actually thought about it. But the thing about it was, he had a king of spades. I had a nine of spades. But you got to just do the math in your head and go. Like I had nine, eight, nine, offsuit. So I had a two cards that you can play with. But if you look down and you've got a king of spades and a two of hearts, you'd fold that hand. Yeah. So that king of hearts necess- or spades doesn't necessarily play. Yeah. So you got to think like this guy's not necessarily got ace king or something. Yeah. He might have. He might. Someone might have folded king two and in their head they're and like they've gone bugger. now. Yeah. And they're sitting there going, I had a straight flush. Yeah. Um, this guy could have had a full house because it was the poured bed. There was. Uh, and if you like- get your dream hand, you got to do it. You've yeah. So I just go called. I had to call. Um, I was really happy with myself. It wasn't too long ago, maybe a year ago, and I was happy with myself that I actually thought about it. All right. That he could have it, but yeah, he had it, and um, it was a cooler. Um. We're kind of moving into territory now, that whole idea of like um, poker is life and life is poker, mm. right? The the things you learn on the table are applicable to real life. Yeah. Like those sort of metaphors. Like, yeah, when life gives you something which is so great, mm-hmm. you should just go for it. Um, even if you could end up losing, at least you took the opportunity when it came up, yeah. right? Which is that sort of example yeah. there. But do you feel like poker has helped you in life? Like... In a non-pokery way? Yeah, I mean, not so much, I'd say, like, any anything other than just general skill. Maths is better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you've got to break down pots. So, like, pot odds. So, you think, let's say someone bets $20 into an $80 pot, right? So, now that pot is $100. All I have to do to put to is put $20 in to potentially win $100. So, I'm getting five to one odds. Yeah, okay. So, those are good odds. Yeah. Um, whereas you think about that stuff on the fly, this guy's betting $60 into a $100 pot. I'm actually, I'm getting less than two to one yeah. of my money and my hand might not be that strong. So, little stuff like that, which is, I actually found myself just, even with change, not necessarily it has to be monetary, but just I found myself being a little bit better with numbers. Um, and then also just reads in general. Like I think body language stuff you just, you pick up. 
um, not necessarily like you just pick up someone's mood or you pick up something. I don't know. I just I just found that it's helped me like interviewing artists, for example. Yeah. I, I feel I can read a room better. And I don't know whether that just came with life in general or whether it's playing hours, tens of maybe 10,000 hours worth of poker. But I just feel like I can pick up an energy or a room a little bit better and, and play it a bit better. Even if it's just asking a certain interview question, I feel like I know that I could ask that by gauging. Can you think of energy. a specific example? Yeah, I remember um, we had uh, Fifth Harmony in, which was a young girl group. And uh, I had a question down. Uh, there was one girl, Camila Cabello, who's now very quite famous. She had a song yeah. called Havana. Havana, na, na, na. Yeah. yeah. So she <laughs> split from the group. TV. That yeah. was good. <laughs> Oh, for people who didn't know the song, you know, yeah, now exactly. they know. I probably I, now we're going to get a copyright dispute in the mail for yeah, this podcast. Right. Yeah. And I, um, I had some. Uh, she had a dating life that was all over the tabloid sort of stuff, and she came in and she was bubbly and stuff. But I just picked up that she didn't want to answer these questions. Yep. And we had a great interview because I didn't ask those questions. Found out she'd just been asked them by a different network and they shut down the whole pretty much interview. But I had, I mean, that's the questions that, you know, the audience might want to know, but I just picked up that I was going to do better by not. I, it was on my sheet. And I was going to say, did your boss come in afterwards and go, we put them on the sheet. Yeah, why, why didn't, didn't you, you ask? ask? No, I mean, as if the bosses would even ask me what questions I'm asking an artist. Are kidding? <laughs> I know. Like, Who'd you interview today? Fifth Harmony. Oh, yeah, good on you. Still how'd working. How'd it go? Yeah. I've done weekends. Did <laughs> you the cleaner? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, what about like more like on a grander scale, like those sort of like, like you know, I was talking before about if life gives you something amazing, but you've got questions about it, should you take it or not? Mm. Do you feel like you've learned lessons from poker around like how to, how to live your life? Um, I think a big uh, detriment to my personality is impatience. Ah, okay. So I've always been very impatient, um, whether it be... I'm always on time for things. Like I'm You were 10 minutes early for this? Yeah, I was really impressed. I'm, I'm just never late. Yeah. Never late. Um, famously never late because you will just... I'm, and if I am, five minutes late, you'll get a text message from me saying yeah. I'm five minutes late. Yeah. Unless I really screwed up a schedule, which very rarely happens because I'm pretty organized. But... um. I am impatient because I'm always on time. So if someone else isn't on time, so I mean, do you think I'm, this is a radio thing? Because I'm the same. No, I know so many people okay. who don't give a shit about it. Wow. Because yeah. you, me, and uh, my mate Matt Saracini, who I used to do radio with as well, we all share this character trait. And he and I were like sort of hypothesizing that maybe it's a radio thing because you know things have to time out in mm-hmm. radio and blah blah blah. But you're right. Like you know, for every Angus or Saracini, there's a Michael Beveridge who's oh, just never on time to anything. Would rock up to a breakfast radio show at eight twenty a.m. in Adelaide. <laughs> True story. Uh, great guy. Love him. He's um, fantastic. Yeah, but, <laughs> but yes, he's just, he's, he's late. if I say to him, "Let's get lunch," I say, "Let's get lunch at midday," and I turn up at one and bring a book in yeah. case he's even later. Sure. <laughs> well, even like Ash London, who's like one of my best friends and a person I've done radio with for a long time. She will say that I've helped her with that because she used to be like that. Ah. And um, because we had to do everything together and she hated being me being there first. Ah, so, she'd okay. be like, you've actually dragged my ass. So, that was... But, but in saying that, that impatience back to poker yeah. is there's a waiting game writing, waiting for the right moment. So, there's... You've got to be patient with your cards and not go all in. Um you know, you can use that analogy for life, but, mm. you know, not going all in because, you know, you're looking at your clock, you're like, I haven't had a good hand in so long. So, a lot of a lot of things, you can be card dead for a long time. 
Like you can go 30 minutes sitting at the crown tables with like 6-3 off suit, king 2 off suit. Just you, cards you shouldn't be playing. So if you're on the on one of the blinds, you're going to be losing money while yeah, this is happening. Exactly. So, if you're lucky, you'll get to check and get to see the card for free, but at crown everyone raises. So you you know, you just got to have that mentality of like, ah, I've got you know, king nine off suit. It's the best hand I've had in 30 minutes. I'm going to play. So you don't. And all of a sudden, you're playing a hand and someone's got king 10 yeah. and you've, he beats you with a kicker. And you lose money because you're impatient. So short term, suffer a little in the short term to yeah. know the long term's going to... Exactly. Lose $6 being... in blinds in the hope of winning a $100 pot because you were patient instead of busting out early. So that impatience of trying to... Like I used to be... I used to get so frustrated with my ex-girlfriend when she was... Just took so long to get ready. Yeah. Which is so cliche and stereotypical, but she did. And I'd be looking at me, never late. I'm mm. like, we have a dinner reservation for 7.30 with friends. It's 7.15 and it's 25 minutes to get there. Oh, well, what do you want me... I want you to be better <laughs> and quicker. Yeah, so ex-girlfriend is ex- the important ex- part of that yes, story. ex-girlfriend, that's right. <laughs> so hopefully impatient. Her loss, man. Her oh, loss. absolutely. Yeah, no, she's just happy with two kids. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, you're at the Crown's yeah. Casino playing $2 card games. Yeah, secretly though, so no prospective girls will ever know that much of what of a loser I am. Oh, when would you bring it up if you were like dating someone? I wouldn't bring it up. Oh. Um Though I am getting a little bit more confident in making it a thing. I had to write a bio recently for a new gig and I wrote poker in there. I was like, okay. Not that it's like a dirty secret, but I, I wouldn't bring it up off the cuff. But also like you're, you're 30 now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm 30. Yeah, yeah, so it's once you get to the age of 30, you're kind of like, ah, oh, screw it. Yep, this is me. Yeah. You spend your whole 20s being like, oh, what are the important things to be? What, And then you yeah. kind of get to 30 and you go... Eh, whatever. I'm a nerd. Screw yeah. it. I'm a nerd. And I know whatever. what I like, you know? Yeah. I think the only thing around that is that there is this essence of it being gambling and yes. putting things on the line. Whereas me being such a tight ass, I would never, ever do that. I, I would it's never put money in. I mean, it happens in casinos. There's real money involved. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I walk away. I set budgets. I put time limits on playing. So, I do all of that stuff. So, I think, but when people hear the game, they're like, oh, God, I don't punt on horses. Yeah, exactly. I don't, you know, I don't do, um, which seems to be a big thing as soon as you turn 30, like, mates going to the pokies. I'm like, well, I don't do when that. I'm from WA, right? So, I never saw pokies oh, yeah, anywhere. And then, yeah, like, mates in Sydney who be like, oh, I'll be back. I'm just going to throw some money on. I'm like, sorry, what? Yeah, it's, it's like, bizarre. you'd be 50 bucks, you bring 50 bucks for dinner and you pay 25 bucks for a palmy in a pot. And then I'm trying to win it do, back I'll on do a 20 machine. Bucks yeah. Into, I'm like, what? I just want to play more chili. Just bang in the machine. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, that doesn't exist. So, I... And, and to be other, the other, it is gambling. Absolutely. And I know there's skill in picking horses. I don't know if there's skill in pokies. I mean... They can't tell be. Me I'm they wrong. literally can't tell be. Yeah, wrong. I know, it's right? It's a feeling. Oh, I'm going to up my stake now because it's yeah. got to be coming. Sure. I, the but, machine's built to yeah, make money. That's right. But poker, I feel like there is definitely an element of skill. Yeah. Luck, of course. Is it just on poker players? So I feel the same way. I'm not a poker player, but I love... Um, one of my favorite things to do um, if I'm like hungover or something is yeah. just to watch the World Poker Tour on YouTube. Oh, it's so much fun. It's amazing, I've seen right? all of those. Um, but you watch it and you go, surely there is more skill in this than a poker machine. I just... Oh, there is, of course. Yeah. Like, I, I can play. Like I said at the Bucks party. Yeah. I can... I said to seven guys who all knew how to play poker, I will beat you all convincingly. And I did two in two different tournaments. Is that part of the, like, are you the rattling mindset? them? Yeah. No, I was just like, because they were talking about the stakes. Everyone's like, let's put 50 bucks in. I'm like, guys, put 20 bucks in. Like, 
Because you're not winning. <laughs> like, there's certainly an arrogance and we're having beers and we're laughing. Yeah, exactly. But I was like, it doesn't have to be 50 bucks because mm. I definitely have an advantage over you. And like, nah, we'll make it 100 then. I was like, okay. So maybe I was. was maybe they kind of want to be like, they're like, the thrill of playing against Angus is worth the loss. Maybe. It's like, we Who played knows? against someone. Because the worst is when you play against someone and they just don't care. Because then you can't read them either. Well, the other thing is playing, and I'd say I'm experienced, not advanced or anything, but I'm experienced. And playing against new players is mm. truly the most difficult thing. Yeah. Because I have done, I remember this so well. It was in at, at the uh, Warm Ponds Hotel about three weeks ago. So I'm playing, trying to get better for Crown. Went back to your old stomping ground. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm back living at home. So... Uh, I went back to there. They're still playing the league. And there was a guy who was a new player. So, everyone's explaining the rules to him. And I pl- I played this hand really well. So, I bluffed. So, I missed I missed my opportunity. I was trying to get a straight. The straight didn't come. Uh, but there was so much out there. Flushes, yeah, straights. The yeah. And so, I put in a bet that tells that person, I've either got a flush or a straight and you're done. But because he's his first time, he had one pair. And the pair was the two. So there's like two, seven, king, queen, jack. Like it was a huge board. Yeah. And he's like, I have two twos. And I was like, you win. Yeah. Would have worked any day of the week at Crown, uh, you know, with anyone who's played for at least a couple more hands. But, you know, beginner players are really tough to play. And sometimes, I mean, it's a a win-loss ratio. You can win off them because they're easy to, because they can go. You've got two pair and, you know, they've got a pair. But you can lose because you're trying to make moves that would, you know, would work otherwise. There's probably a life lesson in that. Somewhere. Probably something in there. Yeah. <laughs> I want to try and find some cards so you can show oh, me right. your shuffling. I'll Let show you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got duck deck of cards. You'll be impressed. It's always in. So Dan has gone over to the kitchen. It's always in a kitchen drawer. Well, no, actually, I don't. I've got a, I've got a harmonica and a wizard wand in my kitchen drawer, <laughs> oh, yeah. but I've got um, monopoly cards. Okay. Okay, I'm going to show you my shuffling skills. The cards are a little bit different, but it should all work the same. All right. They just don't have as much bang because they're a bit more cardboard. Oh, already you've done a nice riffle. Yeah. So I love like that. that. That's just like entry level. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's that. Like and this then, old thing. And then you can do the... Where you bring it back the other way. But yeah, the riffle is... Um, I got that pretty much down pat. All right. Thanks for coming in, Angus. Thanks for letting me uh, download on poker. It's good, isn't it? It's just my obsession. Exactly. And now it's out in the public, so you can talk I about know, it freely. I can talk about it. Yeah. Anyone can. Anyone who listens, please come and talk poker. I'll do it for hours. Totally obsessed with Dan DeBooth is pretty much made entirely by me, Dan DeBooth, except for the music, which is by Caleb Garfinkel. And the artwork, which is by David Ferrier and Joe Kutri.